0: Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. This podcast is sponsored by Perfect Keto. And guys, I just wanted to tell you about these great-tasting keto cookie bars that they have. They're keto cookies. Um, You know, I've tried a lot of different low-carb, desserts, low-carb cookies, and things like that. These are definitely the best i found, and I feel really mentally stable when I consume them. A lot of times, things are marked as low-carb, but they're actually still spiking your blood sugar and still promoting a high insulin release. These ones, I just seem to feel really, really good with and you know, the, the company, it took them over a year to formulate this product. They tried so many different ingredients and went through over 10 iterations and conducted rigorous blood ketone and blood sugar testing along the way to make sure that this great tasting cookie did not spike insulin, blood sugar, and reduce ketone levels. And so keto cookies are your pre-made keto dessert without the guilt. Think of it as an energy bar that tastes like a treat and supports your soft tissue recovery because it has collagen protein in there. And collagen is amazing for your joints, for your skin, your hair, your nails, your gut health. It's an anti-aging beauty food and you can find that in these cookies. I mean, the reality is keto can be hard to stick to. Keto cookies make it a lot easier. I mean, you can treat it like your fall off the wagon insurance. If you're really craving something, you're going to a party, other people are going to be eating things that um, may tempt you. You can bring these along and, and have them. And so ultimately, this product is formulated to not spike blood sugar. So you can rest assured with that. It has the collagen protein. Again, amazing protein source. All of us need to be consuming uh, because it has the right blend of amino acids to help support joint health, skin, hair health, and a gut line, healthy gut lining. It's not going to spike your blood sugar and you are going to love the flavor. So you can pick these up, these keto cookies, at www.perfectketo.com forward slash drjockers and use the coupon code Jockers, just DRJockers, all one word, and that's going to save you 15% off so you can really enjoy these cookies. They also have a lot of other great products. So again, go to www.perfectketo.com forward slash drjockers. Use the coupon code Dr. Jockers for 15% off. You guys are going to absolutely love these. So, this podcast is an audio recording of one of my most popular YouTube videos on clogged arteries. So, heart disease is the number one killer in westernized countries. The problem with heart disease is you typically don't feel it or experience it. You don't have symptoms until you're in the late stages. So in this video, I'm going to show you how clogged arteries develop. I'm also going to go over some possibly early warning signs you may experience that you have clogged arteries. We're going to go over the physiology of it. And I'm going to also show you strategies you can take to keep your blood vessels really clean and functioning at a high level. This is very relevant information for all of us because all of us have had family members that have dealt with heart disease and we are at risk for it too. So we need to start taking action now. And so before we get into the podcast though, if you wouldn't mind just taking a moment and leaving us a five-star review. That really means the world to us and helps us reach more people. So please leave us a review and also go ahead and subscribe to our channel. That way you get notified whenever we put up a new podcast And I know you guys will get so much value out of these. I'm either interviewing an expert in some major area that, that involves functional nutrition, or I'm doing a solo like this one where I'm going through a specific health topic that is relevant to all of us. So go ahead and subscribe and let's go into the show. Hey guys, today we're talking about clogged arteries, symptoms and support strategies. Very important topic because heart disease is the number one killer in Western societies, and so when we look at this concept of atherosclerosis, where we end up with plaque buildup in our arterial beds, basically this is a process of inflammations. So the internal lining of the blood vessel is called the endothelial lining, and when it becomes damaged by inflammation and oxidative stress we end up creating scar tissue. Think about it like callus on your on your hand if you're using tools or something like that. You're going to get some scar tissue development and callus on your hand. And that's basically what this is. Now, normally that's going to heal if you know we we have less wear and tear. However, if we have repeated bouts of high levels of inflammation, oxidative stress, it's going to continue to damage the endothelial lining and continue to build up this fibrotic scar tissue. That's in the blood vessel creating atherosclerosis. And of course, when we have atherosclerosis, it ends up causing more pressure within the blood vessel. And this is where we get hypertension associated with, again, the thinning of these arterial beds due to plaque formation or just the tightening of the, the endothelial lining where it's uh, it loses this elasticity and its ability to flex and expand. And that can obviously cause major issues. And so, Major complications when we have hypertension: stroke, heart attack, kidney failure, because you really need good blood flow into your kidneys to allow them to function properly. Vision loss, because again, we need oxygen in there; uh, those those deep capillaries uh, to get enough oxygen into the the sensitive tissue of the eyes. Bone loss as well, because it will actually cause hypertension, cause more calcium loss in your um, urine as well. So, major causes of clogged arteries chronic inflammation, insulin resistance, our ability to manage insulin, gut dysbiosis, high toxin load, chronic stress, poor sleep, and chronic infections. So, when we think about cardiovascular disease, we have to think inflammation first. I mean, this is really a, a product of inflammation. You can certainly have heart disease and be thin. However, people that are overweight, Uh, they tend to have a much higher rate of heart disease. And part of that's because fat tissue itself is not inert tissue. It actually releases inflammatory cytokines like tumor necrosis factor alpha and interleukin-6, which cause more inflammation in the system. The more body fat we have, the higher rates of C-reactive protein, another inflammatory protein that we're going to have. Insulin. Insulin is what our body produces to get sugar out of the bloodstream and into the cells. Insulin... Uh, turns off fat burning. So basically it shuts down our ability to burn fat for fuel, but it also turns on inflammatory gene pathways. It activates things like nuclear factor kappa beta pathway, which is an inflammatory amplifier. It shuts down our liver detoxification pathways, increases blood pressure in the system, increases LDL cholesterol while lowering HDL and increases triglycerides which over time, when we have hyperinsulinemia, that causes the terrible triad. High LDL, low HDL, high triglycerides. It also can alter our neurotransmitters, creates rampant amounts of oxidative stress, which damage our mitochondria and our ability to produce energy within the cells. And then we'll disrupt our hormones as well. For men, they'll end up with andropause. In fact, you know, men that have belly fat oftentimes have low testosterone and higher amounts of estrogen, because they produce a lot of this compound called um, aromatase, this enzyme, aromatase, which converts testosterone into estrogen. For women, hyperinsulinemia is associated with PCOS, or polycystic ovarian syndrome, where, where the woman has higher testosterone and they end up with a lot of cysts in their ovaries. So gut dysbiosis, the gut plays a huge role in our overall level of inflammation. And just like the endothelial lining in our blood vessels, we have a lining in our gut. And when that lining in our gut becomes damaged due to inflammation, and this is oftentimes associated with, um, you know, basically bad bacterial counts. So if we have pathogenic bacteria, not enough good bacteria, or we have parasites, uh, elevated levels of yeast and different things like that, we create more inflammation in our gut lining, which can damage and rip our gut lining and creates more inflammation throughout the body, as opposed to when we have the right bacterial balance, good amounts of bifidobacterium, for example, lactobacillus bacterium in our small intestine, acromansium mucinophilia, which is called a keystone bacteria that helps really keep inflammation down. These kinds of bacteria help produce short chain fatty acids, short chain fatty acids like butyrate, which have been shown to downregulate inflammation along the endothelial lining. So good, healthy gut bacteria is gonna result in good, healthy endothelial lining and and, uh, good circulatory health. Now, toxins. We've gotta watch out for toxins. One way that we're getting a lot of toxins in our body is drinking tap water. You can see in your typical tap water, you've got a whole bunch of different chemicals. Arsenic, which is commonly used pesticide, radioactive contaminants, um, other pesticides, nitrates, hormones that are in there, you know, people are, are uh, flushing their, their pharmaceutical medications down the uh, toilet, and that's ending up in our municipal water systems and not being filtered out if you're drinking tap water. So, you know, birth control pills and estrogen and things like that can end up in there. They're fluorinating our water, which um, can, fluoride can damage parts of the brain, the thyroid. So very, very problematic. Um, lead, different heavy metals, aluminum, things like that. So, we want to make sure that we are not consuming this. So, getting really good, filtered, high quality filtered water, like reverse osmosis or something along those lines, is really helpful. Um, stress. You know, we all know stress plays a big role with heart disease. We're under chronic stress. That's going to cause problems with our blood sugar because when we're under stress, we release a lot of what are called glucocorticoids or hormones, stress hormones that come from our adrenal cortex, that elevate blood sugar. And that's their job because when we're under stress, our body thinks we need to fight or flight. So we need to run or fight. So we need higher amounts of sugar in our blood. However, if we're just sitting like in traffic or something like that, we're not going to be able to utilize that sugar for fuel. So we're end up with higher sugar and then higher insulin, which promotes inflammation in the body. Causes a terrible triad with cholesterol, alters our sleep, our mood, our hormones, causes more pain in our body, more uh, mental brain inflammation. So, a lot of different issues. So, definitely got to keep stress under control. And then, biotoxins. You know, a lot of people might look healthy. They might be young. They might um, have good body fat levels, right? Lean. They have good lean body tissue. They exercise regularly, but they may have some sort of, um, they may be have a bacterial infection that's releasing LPS or bacterial endotoxins, lipopolysaccharides from gram-negative bacteria that create potent inflammation in the system. Um, H. pylori, which creates different toxins that can cause uh, more inflammation in the system. Lyme disease, these kinds of issues, mold exposure, chronic yeast uh, chronic yeast overgrowth, vir- different viral infections can cause more inflammation in the system and can absolutely cause more inflammation in the endothelial lining, leading to hypertension and high blood pressure and and risk of clogged arteries and heart disease. So best labs to use. So what I like to look at are hemoglobin A1C levels to look at basically like a 90-day look of what's happening with your blood sugar. I like to look at fasting glucose, real high, real low. I like to look at fasting insulin. So if you have a high fasting insulin, normal fasting insulin should be between two and five. I see a lot of people that are way above that, 20, 30. That's hyperinsulinemia. That's cr- creating chronic inflammation in the system. Now, different inflammatory markers. I look at high sensitive sensitivity, C-reactive protein. That should always be under one. And so a lot of times we'll see that up three, four, five, right? That's a sign of chronic inflammation. LDH, this is an enzyme called lactose dehydrogenase, which has to do with uh, converting lactic acid into pyruvate. And so, when this is real high, it's a sign of inflammation spilling out in the system, and oftentimes, an indication of inflammation in the cardio, cardiovascular system, right? In the heart, for example. Serum ferritin, that is a storage form of iron. And when it's high, it's a sign of inflammation in the body. And then, homocysteine, which is a metabolic. Uh, byproduct of methionine metabolism, the amino acid methionine needs to be converted into glutathione or SAMe, and if it's not, it creates inflammation in the system. And then the lipid panel. You know, we talked about high levels of LDL, low HDL, high triglycerides. We call that the terrible triad. It's a sign of oxidative stress in the system. Your total cholesterol in general, I'm not concerned about. I look at the ratios. The LDL to HDL should be three to one or better, like two to one, ideally. The triglyceride to HDL ratios, the amount of triglycerides to HDL should be always under two and ideally close to one or maybe even less than one. Okay. So that's what we're looking at there. And your VLDL cholesterol, we want to keep that down under control as well. So homocysteine. So again, this is a protein it's a highly reactive protein. And again, it should be converted into glutathione or SAMe, and there are certain compounds that are necessary for that. However, when it's not, it can cause damage to the blood vessel, all right? And that can be a major problem. You should always have levels less than 10 micromoles per meter, and ideally under nine. I like to see it between six and nine, ideally. Anything over 10, though, is, def- is a significant risk factor for stroke, hypertension, Heart attack, Alzheimer's disease, dementia. So, we definitely want to get our homocysteine levels under control. And we see this uh, process here. So, we take in methionine, which is a very common amino acid for eating meat, um, you know, any sort of higher protein food, beans, uh, you know, so it can be plant foods as well, nuts, seeds. These things are going to have methionine. We get this in our diet and then it needs to be converted. And it is a an important amino acid. It's a sulfur-containing amino acid. We need to produce glutathione. That's our body's master antioxidant. And then SAMe plays a big role with neurotransmitter function. And so you can see this process is very much dependent upon folate, which is vitamin B9, vitamin B12, vitamin B2, and zinc, and trimethylglycine. So there's a lot of methylation that goes on with this. Now, normally, if we're eating a healthy diet, a good a uh, diet rich in green leafy vegetables, healthy meat sources, we're going to get enough zinc, enough B6, B2, folate, B12. However, if we have a bad diet, we're eating a high-carbohydrate diet, nutrient-deficient diet, and we're not producing enough stomach acid and absorbing our nutrients well, then we can very often develop deficiencies. The most common ones I see here are vitamin B12, And zinc, very, very common people are deficient in vitamin B12, zinc, B6 is another common deficiency. Um, Really all of these, B2, folate, I see these often deficient for for, uh, various individuals. So we need to make sure we're supporting these and getting those tested can be very important. Now, going back to the lipid profile. So when we look at LDL cholesterol, there are two different types. One is more cardioprotective than the other. So the small LDL, uh, which which is what we call pattern B, this is a small dense LDL particle, is very dangerous. It's associated with high blood insulin. That's why I test insulin levels. Hyperinsulinemia or high blood insulin ends up leading to these smaller LDL cholesterol particles that have less antioxidant defense. They have less vitamin E and vitamin A. Basically, LDL is any sort of lipoprotein. LDL uh, is a lipoprotein that carries cholesterol, but it also carries fat-soluble nutrients, vitamin A, uh, vitamin D, vitamin E, vitamin K, to these cells. It also carries things like coenzyme Q10 and stuff like that to help support cell membrane health and help uh, the cell heal. So when when we have more inflammation, we need to carry more of these nutrients to help uh, defend against that. However, when we have the small particles, they have less of the antioxidants and therefore they're more prone to oxidation. They also can slip in between the endothelial cell uh, junctions and that can cause more oxidative stress that damages scars up the endothelial lining as opposed to the pattern A, which are large buoyant LDL particles. These have a lot of antioxidant protection. They're carrying a lot of vitamin E uh, and so they're protected from oxidative stress. They very rarely oxidize and they do their job, get nutrients, you know, key nutrients to the cell so the cell can heal. So we want the large LDL. Now, the way we know we're in pattern A, the, the healthy pattern versus pattern B as we look at things like your fasting insulin levels, we also can look at your triglyceride to HDL ratio. If your triglyceride to HDL ratio is more than two to one, so if you have, you know, 150 triglycerides and 70 HDL, that's a sign you are producing more of the pattern B, the small dense LDL particles, as opposed to the pattern A. But if your triglycerides are 70 and your HDL is 70, right? Like a one, a ratio of of one to one, that's a sign you're in pattern A, the healthy, large, buoyant LDL particles. So let's transition to fats and talk about healthy fats. A lot of people think if you have heart disease or concerned about clogged arteries, you need to go on a low-fat diet. But I could I couldn't disagree more. I think a high, healthy fat diet with very low carbohydrates is the way to go. If you have a high-fat and high-carbohydrate diet, you can have problems. The high carbs are going to cause high insulin, which is going to cause more oxidative stress. So we want to get our carbs down. So I recommend a low-carb diet. And then we want to get rid of vegetable oils, processed vegetable oils. It's going to be things like canola oil, soybean oil, sunflower oil, corn oil, safflower, grapeseed, different forms of margarine or partially hydrogenated and hydrogenated oils, cottonseed oil, peanut oil avoid these things. We find them in processed foods. So avoid processed foods. You're going to avoid these. Okay. A lot of condiments might have them as well. So look for them on condiments. And instead you're looking for these fats, butter, tallow, ghee, coconut milk, coconut oil, avocado oil, olive oil, fish oil, eggs. The ones you can cook with coconut oil, avocado oil, great oils to cook with. You can also cook with butter, ghee, or tallow. Okay, so those are your ideal cooking oils. You can put coconut milk if you want to like warm that in like a soup. That's great. Don't cook with olive oil or fish oil. Okay, olive oil is very good raw on salads, right? It preserves the antioxidants, very healthy for your body. Fish oil is good as just like a supplement form. That's where we want to use that. And then of course, eggs, you can cook eggs. Um, You know, obviously, you can eat eggs the way that You normally want to eat eggs. I do recommend like a sunny side up style where the yolk is still a little bit runny. That's going to preserve more of the fat soluble nutrients that are in the eggs and make it more bioavailable for you. Now, other top anti-inflammatory foods to include, grass-fed meat, so grass-fed beef, poultry, wild game, lemons, limes, and berries. Lemons and limes are very rich in vitamin C and bioflavonoids, berries very rich in anthocyanins, uh, so good for the body. Things like oleic acid and raspberries, uh, really good for the body, really good for buffering oxidative stress. Avocados, f- rich in fat-soluble nutrients, things like potassium, healthy fats uh, to keep our blood sugar stable. Green tea, the EGCG, the epigolactic contentions that are in there, very healthy for the body. Non-starchy veggies. It's gonna be things like broccoli, cauliflower, asparagus, so good for the body. You wanna be consuming those turmeric right one of the best herbs we can we can find you can take supplements with this you can also grate some and put it on your salad or juice it different things like that wild-caught fish rich in omega-3 fatty acids one of the best things for downregulating inflammation in the body and there's also astaxanthin that's in your wild-caught salmon for example that's very rich antioxidant great for protecting against heart disease Bone broth, vegetable broth, the collagen proteins that are in there, the minerals, the electrolytes, so good for the body. Apple cider vinegar, which has a positive benefit on your microbiome and helps regulate your microbiome, which helps you to reduce stress and inflammation in the body. Ginger, very powerful anti-inflammatory, very good for the digestive system, so good for the body. Organic extra virgin olive oil and olives, so healthy for your system. Be, be sure to be consuming these, um, You know, putting them on salads, on steamed vegetables, on meats, things like that, very, very healthy for you. Fermented vegetables, sauerkraut, kimchi, pickles, loads of enzymes, good probiotics in there, um, other bioavailable compounds like vitamin U. It's found when we ferment sulfur, which is very good for the immune system. Just really good stuff to be using. Coconut fats, coconut oil, coconut butter, coconut milk, coconut flakes. Those coconut fats are very good for stabilizing blood sugar and keeping inflammation down. Different herbs. I love using Mediterranean herbs like basil, oregano, thyme, rosemary, sage. These things are so good to put on meat, vegetable dishes power packed with antioxidants. They're also called carminative herbs. They help with the production of stomach acid, biopancreatic enzymes. They help with moving things through the, uh, through the bowels, helping to kill off bad bacteria and regulating your microbiome. Garlic, onions, leeks, and chives, also very, very good for microbiome, for the immune system. Really good stuff. And of course, what we want to avoid, refined grains, whole grains, just grains in general. Get rid of those Get rid of processed foods, deep fried foods, things like that, commercial salad dressings, all these things with bad fats and toxins in them and things that spike your blood sugar like grains, for example, and high glycemic foods. We want to get rid of those things. Now, can we get into ketosis? I'm a huge fan of getting into ketosis and that's because ketones produce way more energy and less oxidative stress and less metabolic waste than burning sugar for fuel. So teaching your body to become a better fat burner by going on a low-carb, high-healthy-fat diet is important. Also, adding in exercise and intermittent fasting will help your body get metabolically flexible and use ketones as a fuel source uh, more often than glucose. And that's important because, again, that's going to reduce the amount of oxidative stress and inflammation in your blood vessels. So ketones and getting in a ketogenic style diet or just in ketosis in general is powerful. One way you can do that is through fasting, intermittent fasting. So you find a good fasting strategy. I tell people to start with 12 hours between your last meal and your first meal. So if you finish dinner at 7pm, don't eat again until 7am the next morning. And then start your day with 16 to 24 ounces of water before you even think about food. And what you'll notice is when you do that, it satiates you, it turns off your hunger. And it can be easy to push your fast to 14 hours. And then from there, you may even push it to 16. And that's where the magic starts to happen. Doing a 16-hour fast, you might do it two or three times a week, non-consecutive days. We call that crescendo or cycle fasting, where you know one day you do a 16-hour fast, like you eat your meals between 10 and 6. The next day, you might do more of a 14-hour fast and eat your meals between 8 and 6. Okay, And you're doing that like every other day or twice a week, and that's in that fasting, that crescendo to cycle fast um, uh, pattern. Then we want to try to push it into like a daily 16 to 18 hour fast. And this is where I like to stay, this strong fast. I'm usually doing about an 18 hour fast daily. Okay. And that can be really powerful for down regulating inflammation and stimulating autophagy and allowing your body to heal itself, including damaged endothelial lining. And then you can even take it to the next level and do a warrior fast where you're eating in like a a four-hour eating window. A lot of people will do this. So eat between 2 p.m. and 6 p.m., for example. Two meals, 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. I typically am eating two meals between 1 p.m. and 7 p.m. But then what I do is twice a week, I only do one meal. So on a Wednesday, I might do lunch and then basically fast for roughly 22 to 24 hours, until I eat lunch again the next day. And then I do the same on Saturday. I'll either eat lunch or um, dinner, and I'll just fast from dinner dinner Friday to dinner Saturday. So doing that on a regular basis really turns on cellular healing, really starts to clean up any sort of scar tissue and damage in my blood vessels and allows me to be healthy, strong, and vibrantly alive. We also need to focus on good sleep. You you can fast and eat all the right foods, but if you're not sleeping well, you're not going to heal well. So keep your room cool. Keep your room as dark as possible. I I enjoy using a sleep mask. That really helps block out any sort of ambient light. Avoid caffeine within eight hours of sleeping. Uh, That's important to remember because a lot of people are caffeine sensitive. It's going to interfere with good sleep. Don't eat within three hours of sleeping. I try to be in bed by 10 and I'm done eating by seven. So that's always a good strategy. So that way the, the major work of digestion happens in those first three hours and so by the time you're sleeping, your body's not having to use all this energy to digest. Instead, it can use energy to heal, repair, to produce um, anti-aging and cell reparative hormones like human growth hormone. If you eat too late at night, you're going to suppress your growth hormone, your melatonin release. You're not going to get as good as sleep, not to get as good a healing, and you're not going to digest your food as well. Sun exposure. Get regular sun exposure. You know, Get out in the morning, get out early in the day. That's going to really help when it comes to your energy levels, reducing inflammation, helping you sleep better. Exercise regularly, but again, not too late at night. You don't want to overstimulate your system. Also, in the evening, you want to dim the lights. You don't want a lot of bright light on. That's going to affect, uh, blue light exposure is going to affect your melatonin release, not allow you to wind down and sleep well. And then stop having goals, wind down at 9pm, stop working, no, you know, major goals that you're trying to work on after nine, okay, just be in a relaxed state, read a book, watch a show with the lights dimmed, you know, talk with your, your partner, um, do things like that, just do, do stuff that's very relaxing, that will help you have a better sleep at night. Now, being in a state of gratitude can be one of the best things as well. Gratitude is like an, a powerful antidote to stress. More time you spend giving thanks and being in a state of gratitude and thinking about what you're thankful for, the less your body will experience the negative effects of stress. So practice gratitude. And a couple of great tips for this, keep a daily journal of three things you're thankful for and look at that every day and and write in there three new things each day that you're thankful for. Tell someone in your life something you appreciate, appreciate about them every day. And then do your best not to complain and silence the negative. Now, getting out and moving, so important. I say, you know, you got to move 30 minutes every single day. So whether it's walking, um, dancing, right, things like that, uh, doing leisure activities, playing with your kids, great. And then three to five days a week, you want to do some sort of high-intensity exercise, okay, at least twice a week, where you're doing strength training, or maybe like interval training where you're running sprints or cycling maybe or something like that. You want something that's going to really challenge your system because that is going to create oxygen debt. And it's also going to help you build lean body tissue and it's going to help improve your cardiorespiratory fitness, reduce inflammation in the body, help you burn fat more effectively for fuel and help produce ketones. We talked about the benefits of using ketones for fuel. It's going to help you get out of sugar burning mode, help keep your insulin down. So you're gonna see a lot of benefits from that. So make sure you're doing that. We also need to make sure that we are opening up our detox pathways. So you know we detox through our breath, through our skin, like sweat, for example, through uh, good bowel movements. Uh, these this is how we how we are detoxifying. So whether you're doing like infrared sauna or sweat or a steam sauna or getting out in the heat and exercising, that sweating is gonna help you detoxify, hydrating your body really well. Really prioritizing good clean water and hydrating well. So important. Um, exercise, you know, it's going to help you with the lungs, help you exhale more toxins. Also, just doing deep breathing, practicing meditation, all those things can be very, very helpful as well. So, good stuff. Probiotics. Probiotics have been shown in, in multitude of different studies and, and several meta analyses to have a beneficial effect at down regulating cardiovascular-related inflammation or inflammation that affects those endothelial linings. The reason for that is they help reduce the amount of endotoxins that are released, and those endotoxins produce inflammation, and then they improve the amount of short-chain fatty acids that are produced by the gut, and that causes down-regulation inflammation. inflammations. Probiotics would be a fantastic supplement to use. When it comes to improving your overall cardiovascular health, and um, you know you can also do uh, fermented foods as well, but taking an extra probiotic supplement has, has been shown to have great great benefits. Um, vitamin D so critical. High blood pressure huge connection between high blood pressure, endothelial lining inflammation, and vitamin D deficiency. So make sure your vitamin D levels are good. Ideally, they should be between. Uh, 50 and above, like 50 to 100 nanograms per milliliter. So if you look at your tests, a lot of times your doctor will say your, your levels are good when they're over 30 nanograms per milliliter. But you might not be you know, at risk for osteoporosis or osteo- osteomalacia, bone thinning, if you're over 30. But if you're not at 50, you are definitely more at risk for inflammation throughout your body. So you want to get those vitamin D levels up Another great supplement is long-chain fatty acids, EPA and DHA, long-chain omega-3s. Find these in your cold-water fish and things like krill, for example. So I'm a huge fan of doing a fish oil supplement and very powerful for heart health. Okay, So really, really good getting the EPA and DHA for managing and for reducing inflammation in the cardi- in the endothelial lining to support healthy arterial function. Magnesium. Magnesium is very important for the elasticity of the blood vessel. So we talked about atherosclerosis, which is the plaque formation. And there's also arteriosclerosis, which is the loss of elasticity in the blood vessel, which results in the fact that the blood vessel can't expand, so we get high blood pressure. Magnesium really works on the arteriosclerosis factor. So it can also help reduce stress in the body, help you have better memory, cognitive function, uh, blood flow to all regions, less pain, things like that. So uh, magnesium is really, really important for somebody with clogged arteries and high blood pressure, so I would highly recommend that. And also some different things to help down-regulate inflammation. Uh, Supplement I use when I'm working with clients with clogged arteries and different cardiovascular issues. I like to use Inflam Defense, really because it helps to break down all the different circulating cytokines and immune cells that create the damage to begin with. And so it has got things like curcumin, which is the active ingredient in turmeric. It has got uh, rosemary extract, resveratrol. It has frankincense or boswellia. It has proteolytic enzymes. So, really good stuff. Quercetin is another thing in there. Really great for helping support healthy circulation and a healthy inflammatory response. And then also resveratrol power. Resveratrol and quercetin, that are the two uh, nutrients that we have in high doses in this supplement, are very, very good for down regulating oxidative stress on the endothelial lining and very good for skin health, very good for circulation, kind of those outer linings resveratrol and quercetin really help. And you think about resveratrol comes from grape skin or blueberry skin. Okay. So, you know, you got to eat a lot of grapes and that's got a lot of sugar, a lot of blueberries to get enough resveratrol. You can take a supplement, really has that compound, but you think about it because it's the skin, it's also going to help our skin. It's also going to help the linings of the body. So the gut lining, the endothelial lining in the blood vessels really helps with those things. Quercetin comes from, Uh, like the skin of red onions and apples, for example, and elderberries and things like that. So again, really good for those endothelial linings, really good for circulation and improving oxidative stress. So yeah, when I'm working with people with these kinds of issues, I love doing high doses of resveratrol and quercetin using this resveratrol power product, as well as Inflam Defense to further downregulate inflammation, omega-3s, vitamin D, and also um, probiotics, right? We talked about all of those very important compounds, you know, very important nutrients to be taking to help improve your overall cardiovascular health, your blood pressure, your circulation, and uh, really almost every system in your body will improve. So that's a good thing. Uh, you guys can check out the links for these products and a special discount coupon that I'll have if you're interested in getting any of these in the show notes, so be sure to check that out. And guys, um, hopefully you guys enjoyed this and we'll see you on a future online training. Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.